0: to monetize and have fun and all that while helping others is a really noble, good cause. Wisdom is a rare commodity, and wisdom is the, it's two things. It's the acquisition of knowledge and then the
1: application of knowledge. Hey folks, this is Abe Shreve. Welcome to the Choose Difficult podcast. The path to success is not easy, and here we explore the stories of those who choose difficult and change the world they live in. Today, I'm really honored to introduce you to a gentleman named Monty Holm. He is a co-founder of World Financial Group. They are a global financial services organization that last year paid out over a billion dollars in net commissions to their field associates. That's incredible. He's a sought-after speaker, he's a published author. I've been reading his book, Expect to Win, and he goes through six components of the success pipeline and how to reverse engineer your life, it is outstanding. Today, Monty is a sought-after advisor to large companies. He sits on many boards of directors, and he really sees this as a season to share the wisdom that he's gained through his victories and, probably more importantly, through the failures. We're going to spend some time talking about that. But when Monty was really young, he was 14 years old, he lost his dad. His dad died. And when he lost his dad, he told us that he lost his way
0: most people that struggle think they're the only ones going through it. And that's how I used to feel. I, I used to say, man, nobody's ever paid the kind of price I'm paying, man, nobody's ever paid that kind of price. I, but I, when, my dad died on my 14th birthday and our family struggled. My, I watched bankers come repossess a farm that we were living on in Idaho. I, I became a troubled youth. I ran away a few times and, and, uh, you know, grew long hair. I actually had hair back then, but I I grew long hair and I I just became a troubled youth. I tried a lot of things I shouldn't and I got some experience in life.
1: This was a hard period of time for Monty. In fact, he told us that he had a girlfriend at the time who even thought he might marry, but she rejected him, broke his heart. And he said it would end up being one of the greatest blessings of his life because it cleared the way for him to be able to meet his beautiful wife. He said that also during this period of time, he was introduced to the church in which he belongs to today. He said it brought him peace, and he dedicated himself to the principles that are taught by that church. Early in his marriage, Monty got licensed in his industry. But it was really hard for him because the gentleman that brought him into the industry quit a year later. And the new person who was to be his leader lived in Denver an entire state away. By now, Monty was living in Utah, he and his wife were. And so this was a time that was difficult for him because he was really being trained by office administration people. He'd fill out an application, send it in. They'd send it back with stickies saying he'd missed a whole bunch of things. I mean, it was a grind and he didn't make much money that first year.
0: So, I mean, my first year I made six, $6,000 from our industry and only $8,700 total income that first year of our marriage. The house that Lisa and I qualified for a low, low interest, a low-income government subsidized mortgage. And that house, we missed the first three payments and it fell into foreclosure. And I was so embarrassed. My name hit the paper and and I had a some checks bounce and just some things. I was taking a guy to lunch trying to talk to him about becoming a client. And I said, I'll I'll take you to lunch. And I'm in this this place buying him lunch. And behind the counter was this guy that knew me. And he said, hey, Monty, one of your checks bounced. He said that in front of this guy that I'm trying to, but I, in those days you didn't have credit cards and that's how old I am. We, didn't have, we had credit cards, but not as like we do today. And anyway, I just struggled with a lot of those kinds of things. And my wife, just one day she, I took her to a movie. I've always dated. That's one of the things in my family. I take Lisa, under my family goals, I take her on a date every week a formal date. I took her to a movie. And after the movie, we get in this vehicle and she's clear against the opposite door, won't sit by me. And she's just, she just starts crying. She said, I can't live like this. I can't do this anymore. And I said, can't do what? And she said, uh, I, I can't live on your wild swings of your income. I have to have a steady income in our family And I, I said, well, I don't care if we, I said stupid things. Like I said, I tried to sell her on the idea that I don't care if we have to eat bugs for a while, one day we're going to be financially secure. And look, I'm reading my goals out loud every day and I'm doing, I'm doing the stuff that I know is going to make a
1: difference. Many of you listening to this right now, just identified with what he just said. He's doing all the stuff and he's trying to convey to his wife that he's doing all the stuff. It's just that all the stuff he's doing isn't feeding them. They can't eat his goals at this point in his life. It's one of the challenges of being an entrepreneur. You go into the office and you do the work and you get these little payoffs, these glimmers of hope, this thing that happens that you know is going to lead to a sale that's going to lead to income. We don't do a great job of helping others in our life that are dependent upon what we're doing to feel the same type of hope. So it's no surprise to me that this was hard for her. She needed something more secure at the time.
0: Basically she said I don't care, I need some income on the 1st and the 15th. I, I gulped and made a commitment that I didn't know I could make I could that I could fulfill but I I promised her then and there that day in that vehicle after that movie that I would pay her so much on the 1st and so much on the 15th if it was the last thing I did. And I went, nobody had ever taught me this. I went down to the bank and opened a a bank account, a DBA called Monty Holman Associates. And I said, I'm gonna put all, whatever money I make from the business is gonna go into Monty Holman Associates, but I promise you it will cut you a check on the 1st and the 15th to our family income, family checking account. And just, we just struggled through that. And I never missed a payment by the way. It was a small amount I promised her, but I never missed a payment. And, uh, but I went from, you know, total income, 8,700 that first year to 50 grand my second year, just under 50. And then I flew by a hundred grand, like it was standing still. And a um, couple of years later, I was over quarter I was actually close to a half a million. And 10 years into my game and building my own business, I was over seven figures per year. And and never went back, and um, and it became multiples of that. And so I've been very fortunate in the financial industry by building not only clients but opening offices and doing the things we did. But those first few years, there wasn't a day that went by, especially the first eight months, that I didn't think I, I that I didn't think about quitting. The thing that kept me going, Abe, was that I read my goals out loud morning and night. And I I liken it to a helicopter coming and if you're climbing this big mountain and you can't see the top and you're on, there's cliffs and trees and it's, you know, there's a real challenge, you hit these challenging spots. Maybe it's a one-year climb or maybe a 10-year climb. This helicopter, this luxury helicopter comes and picks you up and swoops you up, shows you the top and then brings you back and drops you back where it picked you up. That's what my goals started doing for me. My, my plans, as I would read them out loud, they would, they would take my mind from today and all this nonsense, all this manure that I felt like I was living in at the time. Uh, and it would whisk me up there to the top and I could see the vision of what I was going to do. Uh, I often tell people that I, I, I've never missed a goal and I've never hit a goal. There's a contradiction in that. But I, when I say I never missed a goal, I, there's not a single goal that I've ever set that I didn't eventually hit, but I've never hit them on the exact time frame that I planned on hitting them, but I've never missed them, but I've never hit them either in the exact time. So I've been very fortunate in my space.
1: I have heard this wisdom before this idea that you set big goals and I've heard someone equally accomplished in the world of business who happens to be my business partner, Gary Keller. He shared this with me, and he said, I've never hit my goals, but I've set big goals because big goals frame big thinking and big action. And he says, I don't hit my goals in the time frame, but I do eventually hit them. And that is just what Monty has shared with us, almost to the word. It's amazing. And so, I mean, when, when we were starting this business, I remember I forecasted several different models for Gary and came back to him and I said, I think any one of these three pathways leads us to a hundred million dollars in annual revenue in one year. And he said, stop thinking so small. Don't think in terms of a hundred million, start thinking in terms of what's a billion dollars in revenue a year. And this is the only person that I know that's done this. I can't say to him, be realistic. (laughs) And it was hard, but I did it. I think it was a billion dollars and like 88 cents I can tell you that the exercise of setting that huge goal and then working backwards to what we're doing now to put us on that trajectory, it it is working. Big goals lead to big thinking, lead to big actions, and they keep us moving forward. It is in our failures and how we deal with them that we really gain wisdom.
0: I seldom speak without talking about wisdom and, and, and challenge people to acquire knowledge and then apply it. And as they do, that'll dramatically increase their chances of, of winning, of being successful. That's not wisdom if it isn't implemented. I mean, you know in fact, I think it needs to be implemented while you're acquiring it. At the speed of, at the speed of learning, you implement at the speed of learning. And if you don't implement something that you've learned, that's foolishness. And that, therein, therein lies the challenge in the world. I mean, a lot of people go to educational institutions. I remember, by the way, I, I went to college, and I took these uh, business i, I wanted I wanted to go in business, and so I had all these business classes and I had my business professor, one of them. I found out what he made, and it destroyed my you know i, I found out what his salary was, and it destroyed my desire to stay in school and be uh, and i i I used to sit there for hours and hours and over the over months, and I'd say, now, hold on. This guy, I love him, but he's teaching me things he's never done. He's never practiced. He's never owned a business. He's never run a business. He's never had payroll and employees and never never done anything like what he's teaching me to do. And I used to think if, if uh, most of the people that are going to learn nuggets from him, and there's some good nuggets that I learned from him, but they're probably not going to implement those things. And most of the people I went to school with never started businesses. They go get a job with a big company with, so you know, that's what most people seek is a good job with a big company with security and benefits. But I love to see people decide to stick their head up and go do something big.
1: Money shared with me that he defines an entrepreneur as someone who's not afraid to step out of their comfort zone and they are willing to take risks. Stepping out on your own and doing, launching a business or running a business, there's risk associated with that. However, it doesn't need to be uncalculated risk. In other words, you can plan for the challenges.
0: In every business, there's, I mean, there's the potential for not only financial risk. There's potential for reputational risk. There's regulatory risks. Regulatory. I mean, today, this business I was with yesterday is is uh, the Food and Drug Administration governs what they do, and and they they're constantly auditing them and you know, messing with them, if you, if you will. And, uh, and so there's, there's just risks associated with basically everything we do. But, and, and I think we're, we're responsible. If you're going to start a business, if you're going to be responsible to your employees and to the mission that you're part of, you have to understand those risks and you have to have assessed, what am I going to do? You need to know the answers. You should know what the risks are and what the solutions are to keep you out of the trouble so that you can, can launch and succeed in spite of those risks.
1: I think risk is a fascinating word. I've, I've often thought risk really for me is walking to the edge of my understanding and stepping into the unknown. That's what risk feels like to me. And you hear a lot of people say that, well, I'm not as risk averse as you. I think the difference between someone that just jumps into the void that doesn't have any idea what's ahead of them, that's different than the person who, they're going to make a plan for something they have not accomplished yet. They're going to research it, they're going to do their best to plan it, and they're going to do their very best to answer the question, what could go wrong, what would keep us from succeeding, and put strategies in place that they'll immediately implement if their plan isn't working. That person is also taking a risk, but it's a much more calculated risk and you're going to fail. It's a part of it, but the learning lives in the failure and the failure doesn't come until we risk.
0: I think you fall forward or fail forward. I mean, it's it's the old analogy of a football team. You know, if you, you fall three, if you fall forward and if, if you just 33 falls, you made a touchdown. I mean, you're going to struggle, but I I love to be well-planned and well-organized and you're not going to be able to see everything. You're not going to be able to know all the risks. You're not going to know, you know, I mean, there's just so many things you won't be aware of when you launch.
1: Money shared with me that one of the ways that he has been able to learn through failure and through risk is through his dedication and habit of planning. And it's something he has done for a long time, both professionally and personally.
0: For 40 years now, Abe, I, I and I'm, I promise you, for 40 years, I have refused to allow a new year to come in without having that new year planned out, and I have it planned out with specificity. I didn't plan this, but I have a file folder that has every set of goals except this year. Uh, this year's always on on my bedstand or on my desk, but I have I've planned out what I want to do that year in four areas, my faith, my family, my finances, and my fitness. I, I do that for each year. I've honestly, I've not allowed January 1 to come in without having that year planned out with great specificity. Each year I have, I come up with a purpose, a chief aim, and a plan for that year. These are all handwritten. Other than the last few years, I just have, I, I wanted my eyes to see my handwriting. I want my ears to hear my voice. I want my mouth moving out loud. I've read those out loud morning and night for so many years. When I get those plans together, I don't, I don't think it'll dominate us unless we do that. Paulian uh, you know, Hill said to, to read them out loud morning and night, and as you do, to see, feel, and believe yourself already in possession of what you're trying to do. And that's, I like almost impossible unless you read them out loud, unless you kind of obsess over them. My belief is that if I plan properly and I wanna have a balanced life, and I, if I do wanna have, a, and there's some people that don't wanna have a faith part of their life, but I wanna have, I wanna be balanced with faith, family, finance, and fitness. And by having a, a purpose, a, a, just a purpose for that year, a chief aim for that year, And then my plan, and it all flows together to make a congruency with, I mean, my plans kind of need to fit in with my purpose and they need to fit in with my chief aim for that year. But uh, if if I have that organized properly, then I I, I just feel more peace. I have, uh, I feel like I have a more balanced life.
1: Here is the right formula for launching and getting to success. It's ready, aim, fire. And some of you just laughed because some of you are ready, fire, 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 fire. (laughs) Some of you are ready, aim, 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 always planning, never acting. But what Monty is sharing with us is that it's important to take the time to aim. It's important to take the time to plan. And then you have to fire. At some point, we pull the trigger on these plans. It is in pulling the trigger, it's in executing the plan that we learn the next phase of planning. We learn what we didn't know before, and now we're smarter and we're better and we're able to do more. It's really a critical part of it, but so many entrepreneurs wear as a badge of honor that they are just so passionate and that they just move so fast. I'm a high driver. I'm a type A. I'm a red personality. I just move. Others plan. I just make it happen. I just make it rain. That all makes me want to vomit. And with, with complete respect to the people that I've been blessed to work with in my professional career as a business coach, you hear things like that. My job is to shine a light on the limitations that such thinking brings. That's what money's doing for us now. We don't just run without an end in mind. It's like starting a marathon and having no idea how long it's going to be or when it'll ever stop. We start with the end in mind.
0: If you're going to build a house, you you probably ought to plan the darn thing because you're going to have to build a foundation that's going to have to have the power, water, sewer, all that stuff's got to come in. The foundation's got to be solid. Then you build the house and. It's always amazed me how when you sit down with an architect and you get an idea of what you want and you sit down with professionals and help you put it together, it's always amazed me that the the house generally looks kind of like the plans for the house. I mean, there's just, you know, there might be one or two little things in there somewhere that were adjusted last minute, but it's amazing how things come out generally how they're planned and our lives can be that way. When we plan good things and big things, and when we've got it to where we look through our imaginary binoculars three years, five years, 20 years, 50 years down the line, and we imagine what we want to be, who we want to be, what we want to do, if we'll not just do that, do that, yes, because we've got to have that vision, but then do the reverse engineering and back it out and actually plan it, actually specifically plan. What have I got to do this year, and how does that fit in with next year, and you've got those binoculars looking out it's amazing how our lives can end up looking like what how they were planned things come out the way we see them coming out if we plan them properly and if we read them regularly and we uh, i've I've always believed that our plans should dominate our thinking we live in a society where there's a lot of things that dominate us so we live in a time when there's people are dominated by different things. I mean, people get dominated by social media. They're dominated by the vices, the big they're, they're big vices and little ones. There's four big ones that dominate people's lives. And that those I would say those are drugs, including tobacco, uh, alcohol, pornography, and gaming, including gambling. I kind of throw those in together. And so people get dominated by those things. And whatever dominates someone's thinking. Dictates the outcome of their life. It just does. I mean, you know. I mean, just for an example, if you ask an alcoholic, and I've got a, I've got people that I know and love that are just hooked on some of that. And if you ask them, and if you do a kind of a deep dive with them and ask them, what what do you think about all day? I mean, you're you're functioning. You go to work. You love your family. You, I mean, I know I know you've got wonderful, noble desires and intentions. But qu- quietly, what they think about what dominates their thinking is their next drink. I mean, they just kind of can't wait, even though they function through the day. They they kind of can't wait to get off and go get that next drink, and they've allowed those things to dominate. What my plan through my life has to been is, is to have my goals, my plans dominate my thinking, and I want those to dominate. I want to I want to distract myself from all the other vices and devices and everything else. And the distraction is by having my, my plans so clear, so concise and so clear and so consistently placing them in my mind uh, that, that that's what dominates me. That which we persist in placing in our minds will eventually seek reality in our lives. It's, it's just a fact. If we persist in placing something in our minds, our desires go there and that and those things tend to kind of work their way out in our lives and so that's why I love plans I just love to plan I love to prepare I got a phone call a few years ago I got a phone call from a guy that um, head of a big company and he said I want you to come speak at this this giant convention for me and I want you to take I want, I want you to take about 15 minutes this was many years ago but he said 15 to 20 minutes and he said we're going to have 35,000 people there It'll be at the New Orleans Superdome. Will you do that? And I had fear. I mean, if you can imagine somebody asking you that, I just had fear shooting through my body uh, from just him asking me to do that. They could have 35,000 sets of eyeballs staring at me and all these precious people trying to get something from me. What can I say to help them? Well, I, I, I was so nervous about that that I, I immediately after that phone call had to cancel several appointments just to get my composure And I went into a room and sat down and I thought, what could I ever do to help all those people? And I thought, there's probably a few things I do pretty well. And I began to list the things that I thought I excelled at, the things that I thought I did quite well. And I decided it only took me about an hour and I kind of made a little outline, even though that was several months away before I was going to speak. I made the outline so that I could live with myself. I didn't want to be nervous for several months. So I made this little outline, and it's just amazing how that preparation, the preparation for that uh, caused fear to dissipate. And confidence came in. And my expectations, preparation kills fear. It changes expectations to where, I mean, it, it by itself, just preparation in itself changes your whole expectation,
1: I really like how he said, I didn't want to be nervous for several months. You know, in my mind, I see him just getting off that phone, canceling everything, and starting a process of writing down that list that he described. What am I good at? So that he could have it and think it through. I think a lot of times, we carry our future objectives on our shoulders, and they turn into these 10,000-pound weights because we haven't taken the time to just slow down and write them out so they make sense to us. Preparation and planning kills fear. So that's a formula, isn't it? Right now, if you look at your business, do you have fear? And look at where you have fear in your business and ask yourself, how are you doing on your plan? People like Monty don't just have a plan and set it and forget it. It becomes a part of their daily walk. It becomes their field guide for how they make decisions every single day
0: we have to figure out what our goals are what our priorities are if a, if a faith life's important to us if a family life's important to us if high levels of success business-wise are important to us if health is important to us we ought to just make some of those plans but we need to read the key, the key is to read them i taught this to some people one time and and um I was holding a big event in Vegas after having taught it to, a, to this small group. This lady flew from Wisconsin into this event that I was doing in Las Vegas. And she was a mother of five, her husband had just left her. It was just a disaster that, that what this sweet woman had gone through. She still had a toddler and it was a very young toddler that was still nursing. So she flies into Vegas. I didn't know this story until shortly after this event. She comes in and she walked pushing a little stroller and pulling up her luggage for clear from the airport up to the MGM Grand Hotel. I don't know how far that is. I've actually walked that way back in my life years ago, but she walked up, she stayed with a friend in a room. So all she had was her food. She attended this event. She approached me toward the end of the event. She said, if you could just give me one thing you wish I would do that you would let me be accountable to you on, what would that be? And I said, um, I want you to create your plan, share it with me, at least some of the details with me. And then I want to, I want a commitment from you that you'll read it out loud every morning and every night for one year. I don't want you to commit for your whole life. I want 365. Will you commit that to me? Well, a year later, she made, she'd made she made over 100 grand from a scratch operation. And a couple of years later, she's over a quarter million dollars, just a woman that had never made any money. She didn't even have a career. And so... I just think it's obs- it's learning to read them and obsess over them, and so to answer your question, we got to get more people making plans, but those who do break down in not getting it to where it dominates their thinking.
1: I'm going to possibly offend someone right now, and that's okay. Choose difficult. Stay with me. <laughs> don't don't issue a drone strike. In my mind, he has just described the missing link for those that love a vision board, for those that love the the secret. I'm going to manifest to the universe and the universe will give it to me. I think it's important to visualize. Some of the most successful people I know have vision boards. This isn't a, a rant against that. However, once you know what you're looking for, in order for you to really take command of that, you've got to do your very best to design a path to that goal and then obsess over it. Read it every day, read it every night, be consistent. I love how he talks about, let your goals dominate your thinking. And if you take the approach that he has taken, which is faith, family, finances, and fitness, then you've got this, then you're touching the important parts of life, aren't you? Now obsess over those goals, read them every single day so they stay top of mind and inform your actions. It's this kind of structure that has really helped money to create the empire that he has. Remember planning kills fear. And if we're stressed at work, doesn't that extend to our family? I remember my wife one time called my business partner and said, is everything okay with Abe? Cause she could see the stress and the strain. And I've learned as I share my plan and how I'm doing on my plan for my business with my wife, it kills her fear, brings her confidence this is something that Moni told us several different times.
0: I think it's important to have our spouse and our family buying in to what we're, what we're doing. It's hard enough. I mean, life's got a, a lot you know, gra- gravity alone is going to be tugging at us. I don't want my family tugging at me too. And so I loved to, to, you know, have meetings with my family and set goals with them. Tell them, look, if your dad, if I if I hit this goal we're going to Hawaii. If you'll do this, you get this these grades and you do this and we're going to reward ourselves and go do some fun things. I think our family can be purchased too with some with some fun memory building experiences and business associates can be purchased, you know? I mean we got to be creative. I got real creative early in my career by taking people on retreats and going on to mountaintop retreats and you know, seeing things and doing things that they wouldn't otherwise do. To stretch vision and to and to create a, a a belief that this is going to be worth it, and that's a, those are investments that you know are costly, but the reward, I mean, the, the return on that is is just incalculable. Calculable, it's amazing.
1: Money believes that you invest in yourself through planning and discipline and executing your plan. He has now shared with us that he believes in investing in your people providing payoffs, providing opportunities for them to partner with you and what you're doing. He shared with us that he does that with his family, and he fuels this discipline with his daily habits.
0: Through most of my career, was up at a certain time. uh, First thing to do, roll out of bed and say a prayer, and then roll over and read uh, my goals, my plan for that day. I don't go to bed without having my next day pre-planned and quickly reassess that and read my just quickly get that clarity in my head, and that takes three minutes, and most people won't spend three minutes doing that, and so to get that clarity, and then to go there and gather the family and do a little bit of scripture study for just a few minutes, and a family prayer and scripture study, and then breakfast together, and we get cleaned up, and I, I used to love to drop one of the kids off to school one of my goals, and for many years, one of my family goals was to spend one hour each week with each child individually. You know that one hour. Most most parents don't spend much time with with those kids and, and build those relationships. And I I like to be in the office by eight thirty, and I have a half hour staff meeting to just get unload offload the stuff that that I mean I'm not an administrator. I'm a leader. I'm a business builder. I'm not an administrator. And, And so to offload all this stuff to the staff and then boom, I'm working, but I want to be home by, by my goal was to be home by four o'clock. And so that I, when I could get home, when the kids are, you know, fresh out of school or whatever's going on, I'm going to be in the backyard. Here's what I'm going to do for a couple hours every day. And this was a fanatical commitment. I'm going to be in the backyard. If they're playing soccer, I'm going to go play soccer. If they're in the swimming pool, I'm going to do the quick change and dive in that swimming pool with them. If they're back playing basketball or whatever they're doing, if they're doing some homework stuff, I'm going to be finding them and rotating around and spend a couple hours with them. And that includes a dinner, families that have dinner together, stay together, they pray together and eat together. They're going to stay together. And if they have fun and build great memories together. And so then from six o'clock or six thirty, if I do need to go back to work and go do some stuff, I'm going to go do it. Yeah. I asked this to my son, what my, I've got one son that's in my business. Um, and the rest of my family are successful, and I love them all. But I asked them, what, what's your memories of your dad? I want you to be honest. What you, It seemed like I was gone a lot building our, our big business. And and they say, "What well, we knew you were busy, Dad, but we always uh, – my memories are seeing you around the place playing soccer in the backyard and doing stuff with the kids. I mean, I was often wearing a loose tie and with an untucked business shirt and my business shoes with tassels kicking a soccer ball for – an hour in the backyard before we have dinner. I mean, I, I didn't have time sometimes to go change, or I didn't go change. But I, I was home trying to be home with my family. So I think the role of a wife and children, how you approach that, you and I dictate the kind of support we get from our spouses by how we treat them and by how we prioritize them in our lives. And we, a lot of people I know are frustrated, thinking their family doesn't support them. Well. I mean, whose fault is that? It's not. I mean, they 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 need to be brought in. They need to they need to be prioritized. I've always believed that it's it's like with faith, with religion. If I prioritize God, I can have confidence He will prioritize me. He gives me 168 hours a week. Can I give Him back a couple? Can I give Him back a couple hours? He gives me 168. Can I give Him back a couple and give Him a devoted focused couple. My family. I love my family. Can I give them a dedicated, focused evening a week and a date and, and some other hours of my day? Can, they, can I help them feel like a priority to me? And if I don't, then I we, we reap what we sow. I mean, that's just how it's that Napoleon Hill's law of reciprocity. What goes around comes around. And so, I think it's critical. And so we can, we can purchase the support of our spouses with time and yes, with how we handle our finances too.
1: Monty is sharing with us the importance of bringing those we love along with us and rewarding them. People want to be a part of something that has a big why to it, a big cause, a purpose. We know that of today's workforce. I think the same is true for our families. And Monty believes that a great cause brings the best out of people.
0: Learning to monetize and have fun and all that while helping others is a really noble, good cause. And I love people with a cause. I've always had a cause, a purpose, a cause, a crusade, if you will. And if you'll continue your focus on helping others, help them learn, help them gain wisdom, help them, you know, coach them. People need help. They, do, they need help. I had a guy yesterday tell me that his dad, this is the founder of this company that I was with yesterday. He said his dad used to tell him, his dad was poor. His dad never made any money, but he's, his dad used to say to him, hey, listen, son, if you love money and use people, you're going to have a mixed up, sad, miserable life. But if you'll just simply reverse that, if you'll love people and use money, you'll have a lot of it and you'll be able to have a happy, fun life. And if you and that you show me a cause that's helping people, and yeah, you gotta struggle with how to monetize it and how to, you know, you guys will have all your you've have had all the ups and downs of any business, but if you'll continue to care about people and look them in the eye and think about them and their dreams and their hopes and you know you yield yield what you want to what they want and that old saying that if you help enough other people get what they need and want out of life you'll end up getting what you need and want out of your life
1: i want you to hear that again if you love people and use money you'll have plenty of it you'll be able to create the life that you want our mission here in this company is we create sacred partnerships that require the best in us to bring out the best in them. And for us, it is all about the experience of others. It's us bringing to the forefront the very best within us so that we can do that for others, bring the best out of them. I learned so much from Monty, and and honestly, so much of what I've already known was reinforced to me. I love his commitment to bringing his family along with him, I love that he saw early on that his relationship with his spouse was more important than his business and that what she needed is security and so he fought and clawed his way to provide that for her and she would enlist herself in his success because of that. I really appreciate Monty's dedication to making a plan and then executing it. His daily schedule, waking up in the morning knowing exactly what he's going to do when he wakes up, that he's going to read his goals, that he's going to start with a prayer. I found it very insightful when he said, you've got to let your goals dominate your thinking. Let them be a part of your daily walk. Just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, there you have it, folks. If you're a business leader and you'd like to know what hiring a coach would look like for you and your organization, head over to mymapscoach.com and let's set up a meeting. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving us an honest review. It really helps us in our mission to help others. And I want you to think of someone you know that could benefit from hearing this episode. Please share it with them. I hope you've enjoyed our time together and I hope you'll join us next time as we continue to explore the stories of extraordinary individuals who choose difficult.